Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Daryl, thank you for coming on. Thanks for doing this today. And can, may I start just with the issue of politics and how politics mm. may need to change, given where we are on this 20th of February? Well, I think, you know, we're seeing uh, the realities of how divided Canada is politically right now, playing itself out in so many ways. Uh, you know, obviously, what, what's been going on in Ottawa lately, but it's, it's more than that. Um, what we're seeing is a generational divide. Uh, we're seeing a regional divide in terms of our politics. Um, and we're seeing a national government, for example, that won a recent uh, federal election just a few months ago that lost the popular vote. And in Western Canada, with the exception of British Columbia, is barely represented. So, um, you know, we've got a lot of divisions in this country. And by the way, Canada's been like this in, in, in many different ways uh, before. Uh, so it's not really anything new. It just seems that this is a, a particularly intense time. And some of the bigger changes we're going through, uh, particularly demographically, are fairly unique to the period that we find ourselves in. Can you expand on that just a little bit, Daryl? Well, you know, uh, since uh, um, 1960, I mean, Canada, or actually since the end of the Second World War, most of Canada's population growth has been uh, as a result of us just growing naturally through the, through the, the process of, of procreating. And certainly immigration has been a big part of that. But what's happened over the space of particularly the last 15 years or so is that the Canadian population has basically stopped having kids at the level that they used to. And almost all of our growth has been as a result of immigration. And, and immigration uh, not only changes the complexity of, of you know, uh, even our identity here in, in this country, but where immigrants decide to settle changes the geographic space in which we're living. And, and even um, uh, um, with immigration having that effect, it's still not offsetting the fact that the Canadian population is aging very rapidly. So one of the biggest things that we're going to be dealing with is essentially the transition of the baby boom from this mortal coil over the space of the next 20 years, and it's going to affect everything. Okay, so um, so politically things are going to have to change. Canadians are asking for uh, a different way of doing things. Uh, right now there's a lot of discomfort with the way we're moving forward. Government, um, the good and not so government, the good rather. So what is the that governments and political parties should stay particularly aware of themselves? Well, I think the first thing is just to acknowledge the fact that we're changing. I mean, every time I have this conversation with people and tell them, you know, uh, we've stopped having kids, uh, we're not going to become overpopulated. Almost all of our population growth is as a result of immigration. It's amazingly concentrated in the suburbs, which is going to have a major impact on what our country is going to look like in so many ways. It's like a revelation. Like I'm saying it to the first time for somebody who hasn't really heard it before, because we have this image of what our how our country is evolving that seems to be stuck in the 1960s and 70s and 80s, in which we're you know a country that's governed from uh, Quebec and Ontario, uh, that uh, you know we're this bilingual nation with an, you know this Aboriginal uh, aspect to to whatever we're trying to uh, uh, portray ourselves as, as in terms of how this country was founded, whatever our founding mythology is, it's less and less in touch of what the Canadian population is. In fact, French-speaking people, uh, the French language is now the third of the categories they track, which are English, other, and French, is now the third language in the country, or the third category in the country. So we're changing in really dramatic ways that few people acknowledge. And our institutions aren't really necessarily recognizing that either. Okay, so part one of next is who we really are. 
Daryl, as the final question of our first segment with you today, who are we? Well, we're uh, obviously a Western uh, Western, mostly Western uh, country with you know democratic uh, and in, uh, institutions that are really generated mostly from uh, from our, our heritage with the United Kingdom. So we've got that going, uh, you know, continuing on into the future. But in terms of the the actual look of the population, changing dramatically, we have one of the highest uh, rates of foreign-born populations in the world that exist in Canada. The, the federal government is about to embark on bringing in the most immigrants that have ever come to Canada this year. That's going to have a big impact. We're becoming increasingly a suburban nation, particularly car commuting communities. And that is shaping everything about our economy, but in particular about our politics, because all of the political decisions that matter now, all, all the real power in our politics is coming from the Canadian suburbs. So can we just go through some of the most salient points to you and where we live in the chapters in part two of the book, The Great White Myth, How the East Was Lost, The Rural Crisis, uh, McFuture, Why Suburbia Will Beat Out Downtown Every Time, and The Big Smokescreen, Why the Urban-Suburban Divide Will Continue to Grow. What do we need to know? Well, I think the first thing, Roy, is to appreciate how much the country has changed over the space of the last 30 years. Um, and the really one of the really big changes is the degree to which the Canadian population is becoming concentrated in the suburbs of the city of Toronto in particular, but increasingly in Western Canada. Uh, so what we've seen is Canada moving away from being a country that's been dominated by the Atlantic Ocean to becoming a, a country that's really starting to be dominated by the Pacific Ocean. And with the way we used to regard Western Canada in this country was almost like the, they, they call them in the United States the flyover states. You know, sort of interesting, nice place to visit, but they really don't matter in terms of our economic future or our political future. That's changed dramatically. So now when you put together the suburbs of, of the, the big city of Toronto, but other suburbs uh, through the country, and combine it with Western Canada, you really see the direction that the country's moving in. So metamorphosis taking place, whether we like it or not. It's changing. The country's moving forward. So why is Western Canada the future? I mean, you've talked about the Pacific region, but specifically, when I think of Western Canada, I think Manitoba and West. Yeah, and, and when we talk about Western Canada, I mean, it, it does break really into, you know, each of the individual provinces. They each have their own personalities, and particularly British Columbia, which actually looks less like Western Canada and actually looks more like, like Ontario looks more like Toronto these days, um, particularly places like Vancouver. But what the big change is, is the push of population. I mean, uh, the 2021 census just came out, and we still see that there's population growth in Western Canada. Yes, we've seen that there's been an uptick in population growth in Nova Scotia, for example, in Atlantic Canada, but when they're starting from a smaller base than we're seeing in uh, you know, Manitoba, Saskatchewan, and Alberta combined. In particular, we're seeing a lot of growth in British Columbia. So the population is being, the center of the country is being pulled west in terms of the, the base of the population. Okay. Now, small town Canada. Everybody waxes nostalgic about small town Canada. A friend of mine said, I love small town Canada. I just don't want to live there. Um, and that was a fairly recent statement. So the death of small town Canada, what does it mean for all of us? And when we look at the next chapter in where we live in your book next, the next chapter is why suburbia will beat out downtown every time. So small town Canada is dying, but suburbia beats out downtown. Yeah, so small town Canada is uh, is uh, not growing as fast. The small town and rural 
Canada is not growing as fast as uh, as urban Canada, and particularly suburban Canada. So we, our population continues to grow at, at uh, one of the fastest growing rates in the G20 and, and leads the G7 in terms of population growth. But most of that growth is coming out of car commuting communities. In fact, almost 90% of our growth over the space of the last 20 years has been in those places. But what we've seen is as these part, this part of the country expands, uh, while there's a little bit of growth, at least reported in this most recent census, in small-town rural uh, Canada, it's at a much slower rate of growth. And the population that's there tends to be much older than we're seeing, for example, in the suburbs. So what is, over time, is, over time, yeah. harder and harder to maintain. Okay, so what big picture, as we look at this country moving forward, and again, our focus today is 20 years from now, or what happens in the next 20 years, where we get to 2042, how will this country have changed? Uh, big picture, where does where we live fit into this, um, this, this, this development, this triptych that Canada is taking? Where, where does where we live fit in? Well, the people who are living in suburban car commuting uh, communities tend to be uh, people who are disproportionately newer Canadians. Most of our population growth is coming from uh, um, uh, immigration. And so that's who's, who's, who's dominating in these communities, but increasingly in Western Canada, too. Um, and as a result, the agenda that's set by the new Canadian population, suburban population, and Western Canadian population is going to become a more dominant part of our, our, our discourse in this country. So the old wrench and elite idea that, you know, it's all about winning in Quebec or winning in, you know, Montreal, Ottawa, and Toronto, and that's really the, the political future of the country, not so much anymore. Uh, and uh, what we're seeing is these suburban sens- sensibilities that are created by new Canadian middle-class uh, uh, suburbanites um, are really going to become more important in terms of our national economy, but also in terms of our national politics. Boy, it's all intertwined, isn't it? It is just so intertwined. Every part of our lives, where we live, how we live, what we follow, what we do, all intertwined. It's like a, uh, a spider's nest. I don't well, mean that in a negative way. Yeah, but it, it all you're absolutely right, Roy. I mean, the, the thing that we seem to get really, uh, you know, captivated by is the opinions of the moment. Now, I'm a public, a public opinion pollster, so I'm obviously very interested in that. But it all starts with people. And if you change the nature of people, you change the nature of everything. And that's what's happening in Canada right now. Canada, the nature of the population is changing dramatically. Where we live, who we are, our age categories, our identities, everything is changing really dramatically. But we keep pretending like we're stuck back in the 1980s, and we need to move off of that. Daryl, parts three and part four of next, who will be? Uh, Why diversity is not our strength, everything is political. One solitude, why English Canada will continue to dominate. And then the battle for immigrants, why our biggest challenge is our biggest strength. And then gender wars, why women will power the market. So when, when we get to who we'll be, what are you telling us? Well, the nature of the Canadian population, what it's going to look like over the space of the next, uh, and I, I wrote the book basically over the midterm. So, uh, you know, by 2030, 2040, what, what the country is going to look like. And the amount of demographic change that we're going through is, is considerable. So every one of those elements are, are things that, uh, that you just named, are things that people aren't anticipating but are absolutely going to happen. And can you walk us through a few of them, uh, why English Canada will continue uh, to dominate? Also, the question when people hear why diversity is not our strength, they'll say, oh, explain, please. And then the battle for immigrants and the gender wars. Well, let's start with the diversity not being our strength. Basically, what I'm saying in that is that 
diversity is actually in most countries a challenge. I mean, if everybody's the same, then it's pretty easy to make things work. But when you're a country as diverse as Canada is, increasingly diverse, it, it, it actually creates a lot of challenges. And if you don't have to go very far other than, for example, the United States to look at what uh, you know, for example, uh, uh, immigration from across the southern border, how that's affecting the politics in that country. And when you change the complexion and, and the complexity of, of the population, you create opportunities for, for tensions and for differences. And, and our, our great strength in Canada actually is that we've kind of figured out a way to work this. But we can't take it for granted because in so many other countries in, in the world, increasing diversity, increasing complexity means increasing conflict. Okay, so if we can stay on the same page, but move down the page a little bit, metaphorically, the battle for immigrants, why our biggest challenge is our biggest strength. What are you telling us there? Well, that we have been able to first figure out the first part of this, which is to manage to uh, deal with the complexities of diversity. It means that we're an attractive place for immigrants to come to. So when you take a look at uh, you know, the United States, when you look at Australia, when you look at uh, uh, Western Europe, for example, and the, the difficulty that exists around accepting more immigration in those places, that Canada is able to deal with this is, is important because we have all the same problems as places like Western Europe do. Vastly uh, a declining birth rate which means we're not getting having enough kids to replace our own population, which means the only way our population continues to grow at a state in a stable way is through immigration. So our ability to bring in immigrants is and, and being being able to accommodate them is something that's a real strength. But as I said before, it's a challenge. It's not it, it, it's not easily done because most of the countries in the world are capable of achieving it. OK, women will power the market. Yeah, they certainly will. I mean, back in the 1970s, Roy, there was more men in the Canadian population than there are than there were women. Today, there's more women than there are men, and that gap grows every year. The gap between the number of women in the population increases every year. And and, and the irony is that even though, uh, while we still have a really small birth rate compared to what it used to be, uh, there's always more boys born every year than women or girls. And and the reason for that is, is men are like mayflies. A lot of them are born and they tend to die really fast. And when you particularly get over the age of 50, uh, women really start to dominate the population. If people live to the age of 100, uh, which increasingly is, is more likely, the number of women in the population to men in that category is about 5 to 1. Wow. So the older our population gets, the more female it gets. But when was the last time you saw an older woman in any sort of television commercial or advertisement in which they weren't treating her as an exception, but as the mainstream. And increasingly, the mainstream is going to be older women. Okay. And then the, the last is, is part four, what's next, the silver tsunami, the authenticity dilemma, plugging in how to connect with consumers in the new Canada and winning the future, 10 key strategies. What's the, what's the overall takeaway from part four? Because I want people to read your book. Well, I just basically broke it down into 10 things that they really have to pay attention to. Uh, the increasing power of women in the marketplace, um, the, the increasing power of suburbs in the marketplace, uh, the, the, the push of the Canadian population to the West, so figuring out how what Western consumers want and what suburban consumers want, um, that if you want to look at what the immigrants are going to look like in the next 20 years, stop looking at places like Asia and start looking at places like Africa, because it's the only part of the, the world that has surplus population. But I go through these 10 things because they're going to really define what the marketplace is going to look like, not just for, you know, for people who are marketing to consumers, but also for politicians. 
were marketing um, their, uh, their pitch for Vogue. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.